if you haven't been a chief executive, or you, you might think that you're like an absolute monarch, you're kind of completely master in your, of all you survey. And if you say do it, then it happens. If you are a chief executive, you'll know that that's not the case at all. Um, you can only get things done if you have the support of your team around you and the people around you. From Positive Momentum, this is Meet the CEO, a show that takes you behind the scenes of the working lives of people who've reached what some might call the pinnacle of the career ladder. I'm Julian March, a partner at Positive Momentum, and on today's show we meet Simon Bucks, CEO of BFBS, which stands for British Forces Broadcasting Service, but as we'll find out, has grown to become much more than a broadcaster. Simon's a journalist through and through, starting his career at HTV in Bristol before editing all the main national bulletins for ITV at ITN and then becoming head of news at the London News Network. Simon and I worked together at Sky News, where he was first in charge of the business news and then became specialist executive producer and then associate editor. Like me, he was at the forefront of Sky News' digital transformation, introducing interactivity and user-generated content to the service. Simon served as Vice Chair of the Defence and Security Media Advisory Committee. He's Chair of the Royal Television Society TV Journalism Awards and a Fellow of the Society of Editors, of which he was previously a Director and past President. Simon joined BFBS in 2015. BFBS is the home of UK entertainment, news, music and information for our military audience. Its services broadcast and stream across all platforms, TV, radio and online, providing servicemen and women a connection to home and a sense of community, even in remote locations from Kathmandu to the Falkland Islands, forward operating bases to submarines at sea. And as you can imagine, getting Premier League football and shows like Love Island to submariners in the deep of the North Sea takes a great deal of innovation. And that's something which has run like a red thread through Simon's career. During his tenure as CEO of BFBS, the organisation has continued to innovate, growing a successful media agency to bring its storytelling skill to other parts of the UK military. Simon, welcome to Meet the CEO. Let's kick off with the question we always ask first, which is this, Simon, why did you become a CEO? A very good question indeed, Julian, and thank you very much indeed for that fabulous introduction. I didn't realise I'd done quite so much. Um, so the reason I became a CEO, and I'm sure it's what every CEO will say, is that I thought that I could make a difference. I thought that I could actually achieve something. And in the case of BFBS, I could see what needed to be done pretty clearly. So from day one, I had a strategy uh, which covered three broad areas, one of which, and you referred to this uh, in your kind introduction, was to do with digital transformation. BFBS was a very analog organization when I joined it. Um, and I could see that it needed to be dragged into the 21st century. So I've done that. Uh, the second thing is that its brand was very tired and very confused and it needed simplifying and modernizing, and I've done that. 
And the third thing that I wanted to achieve was to introduce a degree of commercialization to the organization. BFBSC is a charity, it's a not-for-profit organization, but there's nothing that says charities can't make a profit. What they can't do is to keep the profit or share it with shareholders. They have to use that profit for the benefit of their beneficiaries, and that's what we do. So that's a long, long answer, really, to your first question, but it was very much a clear strategy that I absolutely thought I could deliver on. It, it, it might seem to you like a long answer, but it certainly was a very fulsome answer, and it uh, shows quite how much you've managed to achieve in your time at BFBS. You've clearly been very busy, which leads me to the second question, which is, in your busy day, are there any elements of your day that you keep sacrosanct? I try to, but uh, but I find it quite difficult. But I do try to make space in the day to get some exercise because I do find that I think if you, if you do that, on the whole, you, you can um, think more clearly, you make better decisions. Uh, but it's not always possible. But if I can get out for a walk or a run or a cycle ride, I, I think that I generally I, I perform better. Well, uh, I, I know that you uh, in the past were a lover of rather large-engined motorcycles, which <laughs> you've now since uh, swapped for a Brompton, uh, which uh, definitely, as a fellow cyclist, um, uh, ticks the box for, for exercise. Um, uh, and let's move on to challenging encounters then. So rather than challenging encounters as a cyclist on the road, uh, what challenging encounters, if any, have you, have you experienced in your time as CEO and uh, what's been the most challenging time for you potentially? And, and, and what have you learned from those? Well, I think like every CEO the past two years, COVID has been incredibly challenging for absolutely everybody. Um, from our point of view, the most important thing was to protect our services and to maintain them. We're contracted by the Ministry of Defence to deliver radio, television, online services across the the armed forces community abroad and and in the uk and it was that is absolutely vital that we were able to protect those so uh so the f- most challenging thing was ensuring that we kept kept everybody safe uh the second thing was to maintain the esprit de corps of the organization when you have people working from home in a lot of disparate places we have people who all around the world um as as well as in the uk and uh, so the challenge is to try and ensure that you hold the company together when people are working working remotely so many people working remotely um and of course part of the covid challenge has been about people's mental health because work with people working at home, a lot of people, single people living alone, day in, day out, really, uh, with only themselves for company, uh, clearly finding that very difficult. So as an organisation, we've worked very hard to support our our people, to ensure that they feel um, looked after. Um, And I think all of that, that has been, has been a huge challenge for for everyone, anybody running a business will know that. The other thing that I, I, I think, again, uh, I, I'm sure all bosses will relate to is that uh, 
uh, in normal times, if you if you run an organisation, if you're a, a senior manager, you pe- you meet people f- at all in all parts of the company on a daily basis. You run into them in the corridor, in the coffee queue, the water cooler, in the loo, or whatever. So you have you have conversations with everybody about what's going on, how how they're doing. The problem with COVID working remotely is that you really only have conversations with people um, by arrangement. You have sort of arranged meetings. So the result is that almost all my conversations are with my have been with my direct reports, um, and I don't think that's terribly healthy because I get a very filtered view of the organisation and of what's going on. You know, your manager, your senior managers, your senior team will never, you know, tell you everything that, that's going on in a way that you will find out from talking to to the the whole team. So I think that I think that he's been extremely challenging. Um, but actually, I mean, I would say that I think in many ways I, we've survived COVID incredibly successfully, although we've had, like everybody else, we've had a lot of people ill, some quite seriously ill, and sadly we lost one person um, in hospital to, who died died from COVID. So, you know, it's been a traumatic time for us as it, as it has from, for so many people. Um, but on the whole, we managed to keep everything going uh, well against the odds. And, uh, and I think that's, uh, you know, great credit to all my staff. Absolutely. And, and let's face it, while we might all, uh, or, or at least the level of vaccinations are, are, are reaching um, a fairly high level and, and we turn from pandemic to endemic, uh, it's, it's fair to say that we, we move into a new phase. But uh, in many respects, the, the, the notion of, uh, of COVID and the changes in practice that it brought uh, many of those are, are, are going to remain. Um, so, so what what do you take into the future, having having learned to, uh, to 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 deal with the pandemic as we move into endemic status? Well, I, you know, like I think almost every organisation, what we discovered was that actually you can do an awful lot f- uh, with people working remotely. Um, there are lots of good reasons for having more people working remotely. I mean, it's actually. In many ways, they can be more productive because they haven't got commuting time. Um, you know, a lot of people find it easier to work from home uh, for, for a variety of reasons. So what we've learned, like, like I'm sure everybody else has, is, is that the future looks much more of a hybrid model where we will have some people in the buildings, in our buildings, some people uh, working from home some of the time. And like everybody else we're working through that at the moment to ensure that we get the right model and of course it's going to be different for different people different departments uh different um different roles um and and i think over the next six months to a year uh that's going to that's going to kind of unfold we're going to we'll we'll figure it out and i I suspect that you know what we think now won't be what it'll look like in six months time and that they say in the military no plan survives the first engagement with the enemy yes indeed indeed you've you've talked about esprit de corps that the esprit de corps within your team at bfbs and clearly 
the whole function of BFBS is to help maintain the esprit de corps of Britain's armed services. Let's just turn to your esprit de corps. Uh, who's most influenced you, would you say, in your CEO career? Uh, maybe a guiding light or, or, or luminary. Who do you turn to uh, when you need advice? Well, two different questions there, really. I mean, I've worked for an awful lot of different people, including uh, I'm working for you, Julian. So, um, and, uh, and from all the people I work for, I've learned a lot. Um, I think as a CEO, the person who I learned most from actually was Jeremy Darrick, who was until relatively recently the CEO of Sky. And what I learned from him was that you might think, if you, if you haven't been a chief executive, or you, you might think that you're like an absolute monarch, you're kind of completely master in your, of all you survey. And if you say do it, then it happens. If you are a chief executive, you'll know that that's not the case at all. Um, you can only get things done if you have the support of your team around you and the people around you. And I learned that very, um, very early on from Jeremy Darrett when I, uh, I did a, some projects that he, he was closely involved with. Um, and he said, you know, I, I, if I say, say do it, it won't happen unless, unless these people on the executive support, support it and want to make it happen. Um, so that's the most important thing is about you have to take people with you. That's what I learned. You know, you've got to take people with you. You've got to persuade them that your strategy makes sense. You've got to be able to present uh, present your senior team with the evidence about why the strategy is right, um, and be prepared to um, be challenged on it and to and to persuade them. And I, I think that was, without doubt, the you know biggest lesson I learned about being a chief executive. And in, in, uh, I would agree with you, in my view, uh, there are few uh, better uh, examples of a CEO than Jeremy uh, to, to learn from. One of the lessons that I learned from him very much was uh, his notion of time to think, how important it is to give yourself time to think. Uh, and as you say, aiding decision making um, and 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 better better decision making in the future. So so let, let's 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 talk about your 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 team. Uh, lift your kimono and give us the secret to uh, your uh, effective executive team. So I think the most important thing about a, an executive team is that you need a range of personalities and talents who will collaborate and, and respect each other. I think if you, it's a grave mistake to employ people who are uh, sort of mirror of yourself. Um, uh, you should never recruit uh, that way. You should never look at somebody and say, you know, I, li I like the cut of his or her jib because it's a bit like, they're a bit like me. You actually want people who are very different from you. Um, and they've got to be all different because that way they will work together. They, if they're too similar, then they'll compete with each other and potentially clash. Uh, but if they're different, they'll respect each other, what they're good at, and they'll also um, fill in the gaps where perhaps there's bits missing. So I think that's pretty important um, in terms of 
how you recruit people, I think the other really important thing is to identify their strengths and weaknesses and where they have strengths, you exploit them, and where they have weaknesses, um, you help them fill in those gaps. So, for example, if you have somebody who is um, not great on detail, give them a number two who is absolutely anal about detail. Um, if you've got somebody who, for example, uh, has a sort of management style, which is to let a thousand flowers bloom, then you need somebody else in there who will pick up the pieces when, when some of the flowers fall over. Uh, and I think, that, I think that is really critical to having a successful team. Absolutely. Uh, it's a really interesting point about diversity. Uh, and uh, it's so important to have diversity throughout the team as, as in itself a balancing factor um, for, 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 for the team itself. Um, talk to me about your, the future. We, we've touched a little bit about the emergence through, 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 uh, through COVID and the pandemic. What, what do you think are your biggest challenges uh, ahead? What does the future look like, first for you, but also for BFBS? The mo biggest part of our revenue comes from a contract we have with the Ministry of Defence to uh, inform, entertain and connect the, ar the armed forces. Um, and that contract is up for renewal in, a, in about 12 months' time. So you could imagine that at the moment that's something that we are focused on quite heavily is about renewing that contract. Uh, not just renewing it, but, but renewing it so we're able in the future to do the even better in terms of the job that we do, uh, give uh, our audiences more content on more platforms, um, give them a you know, wider choice. That's, that's absolutely sort of fundamental. And a lot of that is related to technology. It's about ensuring that we are constantly looking at new opportunities, uh, new ways of doing things um, from a technological point of view. I mean, technology is a huge driver uh, in communications and the landscape is changing all the time. Uh, I mean, it, along with that, I mean, the media landscape is also changing all the time. So rights are much more fragmented than they used to be. Um, and of course, the military um, footprint is changing, has changed hugely in the time I've been chief executive. So, uh, you know, in 20. 14, uh, the army had, or the armed forces had come up, just coming out of Afghanistan, where we'd had a large commitment for many years. Uh, since then, the army has come out of Germany, which, as you know, we've been a huge presence, uh, had a huge presence in Germany during the, since the Second World War. All of that's changed, and the emphasis now is much more on very small uh, units uh, traveling of the world the world's hotspots, um, much more like special forces. Um, and as suppliers to the armed forces, we have to respond to those challenges. So a multiplicity of challenges uh, from, a, from our organization's point of view, along with the fact that, of course, you know, public um, funds, uh, the, the, the amount of money that 
government has to spend on these things is always under pressure. So, uh, you know, we have to be able to do more for less. Well, yeah, there speaks the innovators, Simon. Um, once an innovator, always an innovator, eh? And, and it seemed also that there's a real common thread, actually, in what you were talking about, which is fragmentation. You talked about the fragmentation of rights, but also the fragmentation of audiences um, in, due to the nature of how the military operates nowadays. And, of course, fragmentation of platforms and, and, and technologies uh, lies right at the heart of, yep. of, of navigating that all three fragmentations. All of that, uh, yeah. Excellent. Well, good stuff. Let, let's. Um, I've got one final question, which is another three, because at Positive Momentum we love threes, a little <laughs> bit like Margaret Thatcher. Um, but this time, it's uh, what three pieces uh, of advice would you have for those who might want to be a CEO? Now, our, our audience is, is senior leaders, many of whom are CEOs, but but uh, but we also uh, reach. Uh, folk who who may be at the early stages of their career and 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 listening to uh, luminaries like yourself um, to 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 understand whether they want to be a CEO. What advice would you have for them? Well, I, I, you know, I don't think this um, I don't think this should, is very complicated, really. And you know, perhaps people listening to this will say, "Well, that sounds a, a bit obvious." But the first thing I would say is to have absolutely clarity about your strategy and your vision and to be able to identify what success looks like. Um, you should develop that with your senior team. But once you've developed it and you've confirmed it and you're confident that you've got the right strategy and vision, don't allow it to get diluted uh, by trying to please people or sort of hindsight or um, you know, counter arguments. You need to be pretty, um, pretty clear about where you're going and be clear sighted about where you're going. Second thing is that you need to communicate it across the business. So you need everybody in your organization to understand what you're trying to achieve and why you're trying to understand uh, or trying to achieve it and to keep reinforcing it as well. Um, you know, I know a lot of organizations actually have that vision sort of written up on the wall everywhere you go. I, that feels a little bit Orwellian to me, but, but I do think that in your internal communications, keep reminding people about what it is you do and why you do it. Um, and then the third thing I would say is hire the best people you can afford and let them do their jobs. Uh, don't micromanage people. Um, you won't get the best out of them if you micromanage them. And, you know, some of us, are, you know, it's very easy to be, um, to do that. Um, and you have to be kind of clear with yourself. And if, you, if you're tempted to micromanage, you've got to let people make mistakes. Um, you know, if you don't let people make mistakes, then you'll never achieve success, I don't think. But I do think that the, you know, the buck does stop with the CEOs. So you need to have eyes in the back of your head or, you know, frankly, you need to have eyes in every part of your body because your job is to stop the really catastrophic mistakes before uh, before they are catastrophic. Um, so, you know, you just have to judge when you're going to wade in and say, no, I don't think, don't think that's quite the right way of going about it. But you've got to let your team do their jobs and have the confidence to do their jobs. Um, you know, I think that um, CEO is there to anticipate 
heffalump traps and try and uh, circumnavigate them, if you like. Um, and you asked for three, but I'll give you, a, you know, one other really, which is about, I think you should be, you know, you need to be bold. Um, you've got to be prepared to fail um, because otherwise you won't be able to succeed. So if you're convinced that something needs doing, is worth doing, do it, don't delay. And, you know, the one final piece, thing I would say to anybody who's tempted by be becoming a CEO is it is fantastically satisfying uh, when you bring everyone in the organisation behind you uh, to make something work and you see it grow and the team as a whole, you know, takes pride in, takes credit in it. You, you know, they're always going to be set up, setbacks, but... Um, but it is fantastically satisfying just to see see your team celebrating success and knowing that that they did it. Excellent, Simon. Well, look, it was it was always a joy working with you at Sky and uh, the 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 good folk at BFBS are very lucky to have you as the CEO. Uh, and uh, what's more, who could argue with that value? Um, five pieces of advice for for the price of three, um, Simon. <laughs> CEO of, of BFBS, thank you so much for joining us on Meet the CEO. Good luck and goodbye. Julian, thank you very much indeed. It's been a pleasure. What I love about our conversations on Meet the CEO is that we meet seasoned leaders who are so generous with their experience. There's always something to learn, and here are the three biggest takeaways for me from my conversation with my former Sky News colleague. First, the importance of diversity in a team. Not just about hiring people who are not in your own image, but making sure that that diversity spans the whole team so that team members champion each other's individuality, founded on a true sense of their own belonging in the team. Second, clarity. Clarity of vision, clearly identifying what success looks like and not allowing that vision to get muddied by attempts to please all parties. Clarity of vision goes hand in hand with clarity of communication of the vision, reinforcing the benefits of the strategy, navigating the concerns of all stakeholders and explaining the compromises required from them to ensure that that vision can be fulfilled. And third, the importance of enabling teams to make their own decisions to bring the vision and strategy to bear without micromanagement. I was struck by Simon's acceptance that a refusal to micromanage demands a certain accommodation of failure. Part of the learning process is making mistakes and the art of the CEO is to strike the balance between allowing colleagues to learn and grow while protecting them from the most serious missteps and knowing when to intervene. That, to me, is a sophisticated level of mutual trust between a team and its leader. Big thanks to Simon from BFBS for this edition of Meet the CEO. If you found our conversation useful, please do give us a rating. And if you don't want to miss the next episode, then why not subscribe to Meet the CEO?